Thank you for listening to this week's message from New Day Community Church in Vandalia. We hope this message encourages and blesses you. Look us up and contact us at newdaycommunity.org. Well, um, we've been talking through uh, this series for the love of money. I don't know, can you switch over the monitor thingy? Yeah, um, yeah it's a series that we've been doing <coughs> concerning uh, finances, and we do like to touch on this subject uh, every year at least once. It's not my favorite topic to talk about. There's lots of other things in the Bible I'd rather talk about. But, you know, how many people deal with money every day? Yeah. Some people are like, no. <laughs> in some way, we're either buying, spending money, or making money, or wishing we had more money. And, uh, and so there's, it is a constant issue in our lives. And you know, God speaks a lot about uh, money. Uh, a lot of people th- think that the Bible says that the money is the root of all evil, but that's not actually a proper quote. The Bible says the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. So we don't, don't want to love money. Uh, we don't want to have a you know an inappropriate uh, relationship with um, money. Money is actually a blessing. We want to have an appropriate relationship with money because uh, money is a blessing. God wants His people to have uh, enough and more than enough so that we can be generous like He is. Graham and Jill talked, uh, I think it was last week, about um, our relationship with money. Bill and Marilee, uh actually, they're going to be speaking next week on uh, getting healed up. And then I talked about tithing, which is the primary way in the New Testament for giving and financing the kingdom. If you missed the message, listen to the version online from Kalamazoo because I actually was kind of in comedy mode. (laughs) Mark thought, uh, Mark, uh, actually Amber, Mark's wife, thought something was wrong with me, but (laughs) I don't know. Sometimes I just get goofy and it, it actually came across, I was like a, a comedy sketch, but it was good. It was all the same material you heard, but a little funnier, maybe. <laughs> uh, today, I'm going to be talking about other ways of uh, offerings or uh, other biblical offerings, other ways to give, uh, and then offering a financial challenge. And you're the first to hear it. I'm going to be sharing this next week up in uh, Nichols Road. <clears throat> but before we jump into the, the uh, subject matter, I want to look at a story that we have in the New Testament of the very first time that we see people worshiping Jesus once he was on, on the earth in, incarnate. And so these are the first, this is, you know, it's, the Bible's filled with stories of people interacting. You know, it's not just a textbook of ideas, it's a, it's a, it's a history book of people's encounters. And uh, we are to learn from other people's experiences. And then from those experiences, we, we learn how to experience God and how to, how to demonstrate our worship. And so this is the first time someone worshipped Jesus on planet uh, when he was here as a person. So Jesus was born in Bethlehem. This is kind of, we're getting close to the Christmas season, so I thought throwing in a Christmas story was appropriate. <laughs> kind of priming the pump. Uh, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. Uh, About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. And the star that they had seen in the east, I'm going to skip past the whole part where they encountered Herod and continue the story after that. And the star that they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem, 
it went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary. And they did three things. They bowed down, they worshipped him, and they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. All right? And so these wise men from the east uh, did three uh, acts. There were three verbs, three actions that they did. And, it's, and it's just, I think it's fantastic that uh, Christ who came to bring the gospel to the world, to the Gentiles, uh, the first people that worshipped him were Gentiles. All right? These were per- probably Persians. They came from the east. And they recognized that something special was happening and they wanted to express uh, their uh, worship to, the, to, to this newborn king. And so the first thing they did is bow down. And you know what that word means? It means bowing down. <laughs> they got on their knees. They probably got on their knees and, and touched their, their heads to the ground, um, which is uh, still the way... Uh, you do that more often, it's... <laughs> it's the knees, folks. I'm telling you, the knees. <laughs> uh, um, uh, they continue to do that in uh, in the Muslim nations when they pray. They they uh, five times a day they, they get on their knees and they bow x amount of times. And I've seen them do that. And actually, there's one of the most uh, ancient forms of Christian worship, <clears throat> which predates existed long, hundreds and hundreds of years before Islam uh, came about. Uh, and there's a there's still a continued um, church. I forget the name of it. It's not the uh, oh, I forget the name of that church too. <laughs> there's there's a there's a huh? Not the Orthodox, the Coptic. Uh, but there's a different. There's a, either a sect of the Coptic, or an ancient form of uh, Christians that continue to practice. And there, I read an article about it because it was uh, stunning how similar their worship practice is to. The Muslims bowing down, and they, they actually, X number of times a day, they, they bow and they, they worship Jesus. Um, and so this act of bowing down, <clears throat> and so it's a physical action, it's something that you do. Everybody say, you do. You do, you do something. You do. How many like to do stuff? You know, I like to do stuff. You know, it's fine to sit and think about things, talk about things, but every now and then you got to do something, you know. And this is what it, it is. It's actually doing something with their bodies. And, and, and worshiping Jesus includes using your physical body. It's not just an intellectual exercise, and it's not just singing. Uh, you know, we've come from a tradition for the last couple hundred years that has put most of the emphasis on worship as singing songs. And that's a very important part. It goes all the way back to the Hebrew uh, tradition, the Psalms. And I'm not diminishing that at all, but that's just a part. God actually wants us to worship Him with our whole bodies. All right? It's the whole thing. So not just our tongue or our minds. And then it says they worshiped. Okay? And that's a different word. And that uh, meant, the uh, translation, it means to kiss, actually. That's, that's one way it can be translated. Uh, or uh, it, it was used uh, for when a, a dog comes and licks his master's hand out of, uh, ad, you know, when a dog is, has a good relationship and as you know, we have a little puppy. My son has a little puppy, let me put it that way. <laughs> I had committed never to have another dog, but my son really wanted a puppy, so we, we gave in and he, he likes having his puppy, but the puppy just loves to lick, you know, 
my hand, you know, which is great, but then I've got to go wash my hand. <laughs> but, you know, the puppy is expressing love, right? Oh, I, love I love you, I love you, I love you. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, yeah, but you poop a lot. <laughs> so, um, or to fawn, to crouch to, literally or figuratively, to prostrate oneself and homage. But this is the idea of this word. It's that, that heart action, okay? It talks about intimacy. It's, a, it's an expression of what's going on on the inside that you're expressing reverence or adoration. Uh, uh, you know, you're expressing a love. Uh, that's a unique type of love, a unique type of relationship. And so they, they physically bowed down, but that was motivated by a heart action of reverence and adoration. All right. And so <clears throat> the third thing they did was they gave him gifts. All right? They opened up their treasures and they gave him gold. Right? That's, that's always been the stand, still is a standard of of, of value. And then frankincense in the mirror were also extremely expensive spices um, that uh, signified uh, great value. <clears throat> and so they gave valuable gifts. They communicated in tangible ways the value that they saw in this person, Jesus Christ. So here we have the first uh, example of biblical worshiping of Jesus include bodily involvement, doing something out of a heart intimacy of reverence and adoration. Included with that is the offering of monetary gifts. All right, and these weren't tithes; they weren't Jews; they weren't tithing. It was just we want to demonstrate our reverence in a in a, in a very uh, material way. We want to contribute to this. And so they gave something of value, significant value. <clears throat> and so then we have the example of the early church. And uh, we're actually going uh, to read this in Acts 2.42, a common reference. It's a summary, a uh, snapshot, if you will, of what the early church looked like <clears throat> in Acts 2.42. This is at Jesus now uh, raised uh, from the dead. He's ascended into heaven. And uh, the Holy Ghost has been poured out and... You know, everything that happens in the first uh, couple chapters of Acts has happened. So there's thousands of Christians now, and the, um, the church is just exploding in growth. But this verse, kind of like, well, this is what they did as a church. Is they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. And so they were learning everything that the apostles were teaching. And they, the apostles got it from Jesus. So that they were reproducing, the apostles were reproducing what Jesus taught them by teaching others, and then and fellowship, okay? And so we're going to describe what that word means in a minute. Um, it's a bigger word than most of us think. It's not, they weren't just sitting around having coffee and, and, and uh, bullseye donuts, okay? <laughs> as good as that may be, all right? Uh, so it's, they were apostles' doctrine and fellowship, the breaking of bread, that means they were eating together, but they also uh, probably indicated uh, celebrating communion, the Lord's Supper, and they were praying, <clears throat> okay? And so this word fellowship in the Greek is the word koinonia. It's one of those Greek words I think every Christian should learn. So let's say it together. Koinonia. Koinonia. Very good. <clears throat> okay, and that means it's got a big meaning. Uh, and it's, uh, it, the, the definition is actually the same three things that the wise men did. All right? Because it means participation. It means doing something. All right? In a community. It's your share or part in the whole 
uh, it's joint ownership. <clears throat> and so it's often translated share or participation. Um, and we use the same term today. If you own uh, stock in a company, those are your shares. I own 500 shares, and, and I wish I owned 5,000 shares in Google, right? <laughs> I could have, you know? Guys. I gotta remember before it happened, right? And I remember when it was happening, but I didn't have any money then. I don't have any money now, so <laughs> you just never know, right? So, but that's a common idea, right? And we use the same idea. We share, if you own shares in a company, that's your joint ownership. And that was, this word was actually used in the Greek language for a business, uh, in the business world for joint ownership of a, a business endeavor. In the same way that it is, it, we use the term share we also use the term share and like, oh, I'm going to share some of my, my donut with you. Or I'm going to, let's, let's share in, in the fellowship. Let's share in, 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 in a Christmas celebration. And so we use the same word in multiple ways. That's what this word fellowship uh, uh, also was used in. It, it meant participation, doing something, your part, your, your part in the, of the whole. It meant in the intimacy, communion, where you're sharing something. You're participating, and that's the fellow. This is the part that we are most familiar with. This is how Christians mainly use this term now. It's fellowship. We get around and have a, a, a relationship, a friendship, intimacy, and that's good. That's that's equally important part of what this word means. But it also means a contribution. Uh, it can be translated that way: a gift jointly contributed, a collection. Right? And so this koinonia, this fellowship, uh, means doing something. It means having intimate connection, relational uh, connection with uh, a group. But it also means contributing and contri contributing something of value. Um, and, and specifically, in this, this terminology I took right out of a dictionary, a, a, a Greek dictionary, as exhibiting an, embodied, an embodiment of and proof of fellowship. In other words, you know, it's, it's, it's one thing to stop by and have a cup of coffee and donuts, right? Uh, but when you contribute, when you bring the donuts, right, you're bringing something that demonstrates, hey, I'm really a part here. I'm not, I'm just, I'm not a, just, just, just getting something out of it for myself. I'm contributing something of value. And so it means participating, doing something. It means intimacy and having relationship. And it means contributing, giving uh, part. And so we have the example of uh, worshiping Jesus by the wise men. And we have the example of the early church. And here's another example from the early church. They, they, they took this to the extreme. It says, all of the believers, this is Acts chapter 4, a little bit uh, further, two chapters later in the, in the book of Acts. This is, all of the believers were united in heart and mind, and they felt that what they owned was not their own. Now, there's a couple of things here. It wasn't a commune, all right, because they owned it. What they owned, they owned. But they felt like it wasn't their own. Was they weren't tied up in possess, uh, you know, possessions uh, and, and commercialism, right? Uh, and, and so, because they felt that way, they shared. Ah, there's that word. They shared everything they had. And then there's something else. The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. 
I think there's a connection between that unity of heart and mind, between not hanging on to our little literal possessions, material possessions, but giving freely, and the power that came through the preaching of the message of the resurrection. And God's great blessing was upon them all. There were no needy people among them because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. They weren't forced to do that. They were doing it because they wanted to be a blessing because they had been blessed so powerfully. And so the united heart, the unity of heart and mind <clears throat> resulted in this, this shared, this, this level of sharing that was extraordinary. The early church and throughout the centuries, actually throughout all of church history, uh, predominantly the church has been known as, as being uh, you know, the most generous uh, uh, giving organization on planet Earth. And if you compare it to other religions, it's, it's astounding. I remember uh, after the tsunami in uh, uh, Japan, <clears throat> which we took a team from our church and helped clean up some of the destroyed homes. The big, huge tsunami happened, I think, five years ago um, and uh, in Fukushima. Remember that? Well, Japan is Buddhist, and they have temples everywhere, Buddhist and Shinto. And the priests, Buddhist priests, actually go door to door asking for collect for offerings. <laughs> Can you imagine if we did that here? <laughs> I am the pastor from down the street. I was wondering if you could please make out your tithe check. <laughs> so, uh, you know, they live by offerings too. <clears throat> and when you go to worship, there's a box in front of the... Uh, uh, place, uh, the shrine or the temple, there's a box and people throw money in it. <clears throat> I've been there many times that you see them as part of their worship. Uh, but what was interesting is that uh, there were no Buddhists helping the, the people who were uh, hurt in the tsunami. I mean, thousands and hundreds of thousands. Actually, the news reports are way underestimated. It was just, just, we don't even know how many thousands upon thousands of people lost almost everything. And so these people, we were there, uh, it was, I forget, eight, eight, almost, uh, almost a year. It was quite a year later. later. Yeah. So it was in November. It happened in March. We showed up and uh, a lot of the rubble had been removed, but people who had two story homes, the, the, uh, the first story was still just filled with mud. Okay. And so they were living in whatever room wasn't damaged in the upstairs. Most of them were elderly people. And so we came with a big truck filled with food, and we did a big cookout. And then uh, some of us went and, and helped clean out mud, and I helped build with some people that were there full-time uh, restoring homes. Um, and these people, it was, a, it was the first hot meal they'd been given since March. And so the government had been given, like, rations. But they hadn't, hadn't been given, they hadn't been helped at all in any way. And they, they, they swarmed, they literally came out in droves and they were so happy and uh, so unusual for Japanese because one Japanese woman was telling the story of her her uh, her uh, son-in-law that was killed he was a police officer and so he's saving lives and he was killed in it and she broke down in t tears and was crying on my shoulder you know and I was like this is this is like Japanese just Japanese don't even touch okay they're, very reserved. they're extremely reserved about emotions and you never just 
randomly touch a Japanese person for any reason whatsoever, okay? And this lady is, uh, I'm crying on my shoulder. It was a, it was a sounding experience. The point was, it was only the Christians. You know what? The Christians are still there, still going, repairing homes to a Samaritan's purse. Uh, um, and and uh, uh, so the church has historically been this, uh, this engine of generosity, all right? And we see this right from the beginning. Uh, and it's an expression of that koinonia, that biblical fellowship, where you work together to meet genuine needs. And so this first example that we see in Acts is an example of alms, all right? And that's uh, a term I uh, grew up, I went to a Christian school, and so I learned a lot of basic Christian terms in elementary school. And I have to remind myself that a lot of people don't know some of these terms. So alms is giving to the poor, okay, or giving to other people in need. And if you look at your offering envelope, if you look at one of the offering envelopes in the... Uh, if you've ever seen one of these. <laughs> or if you go online, uh, we don't have an iPad here. We'll get one eventually. Um, you can do it with a debit card. Alms is, so right on the, the tithe is the first, and that supports this, everything here that we do locally. Um, and then the next thing is alms, because it's one of the most uh, important uh, biblical ways to give uh, to, to help those uh, in poor and need. And, and any money that you designate to that is put into the category, 100% of it goes to somebody that has a financial need, either within the church or within our, our, our community. All right? And, uh, uh, and so if someone's struggling financially and they call me up as a pastor, you know, I had a person recently, they had... They were a good, faithful member of the church, but this thing happened and that thing happened, and they had no money for the month for any food. None. You know, so I'm like, hey, people give. And so it was a give. And then we support uh, community groups that help uh, as well <clears throat> through that. And so that money is just set aside for when needs come up, and we can meet those needs generously. And we see this in the early church. So alms is something I believe that you should, and I practice myself. I give a tithe, but then every week I give a portion to alms. All right? And, and, uh, and so it's just part of what I give. And in, in addition to that, so I give a portion of alms to the church. But then, you know, if you just give money away to someone on the street, now some people are like, well, you know, they're going to go out and use it for a beer. I had a guy a couple weeks ago. Uh, he came up to me and says, listen, I'm not going to lie. I just want a beer. <laughs> I'm like, you're honest. I'll give you money. <laughs> so uh, the Bible never says you get a vet uh, or, or test. Or, you know, the, the Bible doesn't put that requirement on giving to the poor. Like, Make sure they, they use the money appropriately. And I'm not saying give it, you know, uh, to anybody whenever, because there are times where I say, I'm sorry, no, you know, um, and, uh, but it's just appropriate to give money, and Christians should be givers, uh, and so that's why God wants to give you so much, so that you have enough for your own needs, and enough to give others, so uh, alms, <clears throat> the next is missions, and that's um, um, also on uh, the thing, it's not the second one on the list, it normally is, we redo this envelope frequently, but we give lots of different options uh, to 
missions, some specific options, but then just general missions are divided between all of the missions that we support. And the basis for this, it's, it's all through Scripture, but one particular verse that speaks directly to this is Paul, who, who gives us the image, you know, he demonstrates what a missionary is uh, in that he went on three major mission trips and planted churches all throughout Asia Minor and then up into Europe. And so the whole idea of church planting and missions comes from the example that we see in the Apostle Paul. And uh, he writes, he says, As you know, you uh, uh, Philippians um, were the only ones who gave me financial help when I first brought you the good news and then traveled on from Macedonia. No other church did this. So he's commending the Philippians for financially supporting his uh, ministry of, of reaching new cities, new regions, new people with the message of the gospel. And no other church did this. Even, then, even when I was in Thessalonica, another city, you sent help more than once. So we see the pattern of the Philippian church that, that, that God is actually commending in Scripture as financially supporting those who go into different cultures, different cities, taking the message of the gospel, planting churches in different places. And he says, I don't say this because I want a gift from you. Rather, I want you to receive a reward for your kindness. And we see this throughout um, <clears throat> the uh, New Testament and many uh, examples. I'm only going to refer to one for the sake of time. But it's financing the spread of the gospel. Uh, and it includes uh, support of other ministries, local, domestic, and international. And so I'm really uh, honored that our church... Since I've been the pastor, we generally give away a 20% or more of what comes in to our church, total revenue, to ministries outside of our church. Even though most of what comes in is tithe, we actually intentionally take... And by the way, I wanted to mention this, not my notes, but um, all financial decisions of the church are made not by me personally, but by a board of directors that I submit the budget to, and and you know, uh, you know, I'm hands-on managing it, but it's submitted to the board of directors who are business leaders uh, that I, that have gained my respect, and so <clears throat> we can talk if you want to know who those are. You can t ask me later; I can tell you. So, as a church, we give money to missions, we give money to local missions, domestic missions, which is missions within our country, and then a lot of international missions as well. But then many of you, uh, and myself included, will, you know, God puts something on your heart, and so you'll give money to, you know, Samaritan's Purse, for example, or, uh, you know, maybe some missionary you know down in Haiti, or uh, this person or that person going on a mission trip. And all of that's good. That's all part of this mission giving, whether you funnel it through the church or you send it directly to missions. It should be a part of your regular giving. And again, I personally give my tithe, I give money to alms, and I give money to missions every week. And I, I just have decided a percentage that goes to that. And then in addition, we'll uh, from time to time give extra money as we are able to. And this is a primary way. You know, not many of us can travel to other countries. And I actually, thankfully, over the last... Uh, 15 years have been blessed with the ability to travel quite a bit, but I only go for a week, <laughs> you know, or two at the most. 
right? Uh, where the Sagers, they've been here many times, they live in Japan, they've lived there for over 20 years. And that's what it takes to, to get the job done, or the Gordons, they've lived in China for 18 years and now they've made roots in, in Thailand and they are living in Asia, they don't plan to come home. That is home, all right? And so how can we be part of reaching the world? Um, yeah, go on a short-term mission trip. The best thing for that is it gives you a vision of what can be done and you come back excited. But the primary way is by uh, financing it. And you know, us in America have more, <laughs> so much more. We are the 1%, right? If, if you make $50,000, or more, you make more money uh, than 95% of the world, okay? Uh, 50,000 household, all right? <clears throat> and so we are the 1%, and, and thankfully, we live in a nation that has a great heritage of, of funding missionaries uh, and mission ed endeavors um, and, so, and sending missionaries. Okay, so alms and missions, primary ways, and then there's a few others, and then I'm gonna share a challenge. Uh, for us. Um, building funds, that's um, <clears throat> in the uh, thing, it's right on there. It's a way that you can designate money. And I love some people just every week they put money in. Uh, uh, certain times we do specific fundraisers for a building fund. Every structure in scripture that was built for the purpose of worship was built with free will offerings, all right? Not tithe money, all right? And so the church, actually, in the New Testament, most buildings are paid for by tithe money significantly, or they'll do a special fundraiser, all right? And that's great. That's biblical. <laughs> the uh, tabernacle and, and Moses, when they came out of Egypt, God gave Moses his vision for the tabernacle. Moses shared the vision for the tabernacle with the people and said, bring gold, bring jewels, <clears throat> jewelry, whatever you had. And they brought so much that the, they had, the leaders had, Moses had to get up and say, stop bringing stuff. Really, they had too much. <laughs> we have we got too much stuff, they can bring in too much. So I've never had that privilege. <laughs> I was saying, stop, stop, you guys, you've given us too much. We don't know how to deal with all this money. Um, but that's what happened, all right? It also happened when they, when they built uh, the temple uh, in, in Jerusalem. Uh, and uh, it was all built with, uh, donations in addition to tithing, right? And um, <clears throat> and then and then Herod's temple, the, the temple that replaced it later. Well, there were several temples, but the, the final temple, the temple that was standing when when Jesus was there, was actually built by Herod uh, to um, to gain the favor of the Jews. <laughs> Too long story. All right, so every. So the big idea here is every building or structure in, the, in Scripture was built with free will offerings. And in the New Testament, uh, because they didn't use buildings, they don't talk about it much. They actually met in the temple for the first, uh, uh, you know, until 70 A.D. when it was destroyed. And then they met in houses. They do have, they did have churches. The church in Ephesus had about 30,000 members. And they would use public meeting spaces. But throughout Throughout the history of the church, uh, building funds is an appropriate way to uh, appropriate way to off, uh, donate toward the work of ministry. We need buildings. Uh, uh, I'm grateful that God has given me favor. Um, 
unlike most church planters, I usually start with a building. <laughs> so uh, this we were able to get this building, we're leasing it right now, we're, we're having uh, setting up plans to purchase it, but we were able to renovate it. And so isn't it nice to have a nice building to come to? You like that? You know, better than meeting in a tent when it's 28 degrees, <laughs> you know, or a back room of a bar. Yeah, this is great. <clears throat> um, but a lot of churches have to uh, struggle for years before they get a, a building, like our church in South Carolina or the church in, in Thailand. We're really searching right now. Okay, next, next uh, offering, first fruits. If you didn't hear Dennis Sager teach on this a few months ago, uh, pull it up on our online. You can listen to the teaching. It's a great teaching. I, I don't have time to go into the details of it. Most people, if you read through Scripture, you see this term, first fruits, a first fruits offering. And, you think, and, and, and traditionally, most Christians think that's synonymous with the tithe because you give the first tenth, right? But first fruits were actually different than the tithe because frequently when they're mentioned, they're mentioned in the context. The word tithe, it'll say your first fruits and your tithes. Or your tithes and your first fruits. So there's two different offerings. And so it's the first, <coughs> the first fruits that came. So if you, you know, it's like the first. Uh, uh, male uh, offspring of every livestock was given to uh, the Lord. All right? And then a tenth, and then 10% of all the rest. But the first was given. And, in, and then, then only one in ten. Does that make sense? And so in the first harvest of a crop was totally given. The whole of it was given to the Lord. And then from then on, 10% of the harvest was given. And that, that act is a powerful act of saying, I declare that everything that comes from this revenue source, whether it be a tree that grows apples or an animal that births calves or a business that generates income, I just declare that all of it is the Lord's. All right? And so it's a powerful, powerful act, and it was given directly to the priests. And so uh, since Dennis has, has taught this, I've actually practiced it for quite a few years since I, I heard the teaching and then read a book on it and then did some research and was convinced, yeah, this is, this is biblical. This, it really does generate like a whole other blessing. It kind of takes it up to another level. <clears throat> um, and so people have been, been doing this in, in the church and, and, and seeing the fruit of it. In fact, just... Uh, I actually never mentioned this to you, Cass, sorry. <laughs> Just last week, someone gave me uh, uh, the first fruits from a new business endeavor that they started. They gave me the total amount that they made. Right? Two days later, they sent me an email, and they said, you're not going to believe this. I got a check in the mail for double what I gave you. Wow. Yeah, double. And it was hundreds of dollars, all right? She had no expectation there was any money coming in the mail. And, and it was her husband that said, uh, boy, that's, that's a demonstration of being faithful. So God just, God really does bless when you're generous. And so the first roots, if you don't, if you want to know more, there's books written about it. And there's scriptures, actually, you can do a study on. And another thing I just wanted to mention, <clears throat> today's speaker, I, I haven't talked about this much, but um, that's on every uh, envelope. Today's speaker. Now, sometimes we have guest speakers, but uh, as you know here, <clears throat> Mark and I are on staff, and so we get paid. And Anthony, he doesn't teach here much, but from time to time he shows up. 
but everybody else that teaches are complete volunteers. They're driving down here on their own. We don't give them any money. <laughs> um, and it's a great opportunity for them to train. But if you get blessed by them, you know, it's a, you know, it's a good thing. Paul says, if we've sown spiritual things for you, it's a great thing. Is it a great thing that we uh, reap your material things? And so I just want to encourage you. You do have the option of saying, hey, boy, that was a real blessing. And some of you do this. Uh, or, uh, and if you write in on that, again, these are things in addition to tithe. Uh, man, I just want, I just, pastor's message really blessed me today. You know, you can give money to me if you want. <laughs> but especially those that are doing it volunteer, you know, they're putting all the time and effort. Um, and even if you've already filled out an envelope, you can grab another envelope, pop it in, drop it in the drop box. And it'll go to that person. Whoever spoke that day gets that. Oh, and that's also what we use for guest speakers when they show up. Um, you just fill that in and all of that money goes and usually more uh, to the guest speaker. All right, so those, those are just some of the primary ways that you can invest, and they're biblical ways that you can give in addition to your tithe. Um, <clears throat> a couple of other things. I, I, I think this, God kind of just dropped this into my heart uh, earlier this year. So I th- you know, be careful in your spending, but careless in your giving. Be careful in your spending, but careless in your giving. And I think that's what Jesus said, Matt, when he said, um, when you give to someone in need, don't let, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, right? So just like, just be, just be super generous. Give your gifts in private, and your Father who sees everything will reward you. And that's like an overriding principle that we are challenged to be to be givers, and and the reason for that is because we're we're to be like our Father who gave his best and gives his all. And we recognize that everything we have is really a gift from him. All right, so you ready for a challenge? Yes. Are you ready for a challenge? Yes. Oh, come on. All right, we're going to challenge all three of our congregations in Michigan, the Nichols Road one, the Downtown Vine one, and the Vandalia one, to work together, um, Koinonia, to work together to build unity amongst our three campuses to attain uh, a, a big goal, all right? <clears throat> and uh, this little logo uh, we came up with, uh, bless a neighbor, bless a nation. And uh, that, that image is from this bag that we actually used in, in Nichols. We do a big trick-or-treat outreach in which we gave out these, these bags that say, I love my neighborhood, and it has a New Day logo on it. All right? And uh, how this ties together is as, as the three churches work together in this Koinonia goal to raise $36,000 in 90 days. February 26th is the end of February. So we have all of December, all of January, and all of February. All right? And 6,000 of it, we're going to fill 200 grocery bags, 200 of these bags, with, uh, with groceries and, and, and household goods, and, and then 30000 is going to be for the nations. Bless a neighbor, bless a nation. All right, some details here. So we're going to bless uh, uh, bags of groceries and goods. <clears throat> and this, is, this, is, this originally was, the idea was, this was going to be an outreach just for Vandalia. Uh, because you know what? There's about 120 houses in Vandalia. And I was like, well, 
we can just bless every one of them. You know? <laughs> like, that, that's not even that hard. That's inside the village. All right? Uh, just go door to door and give them each a, a bag of groceries. I was honored to do it for Christmas, but we didn't have enough time uh, to pull it off. So we're going to aim for Easter. The week or two before Easter, we're going to give them basically the stuff for a nice Easter meal. And not in the sense that we're giving poor people a handout. We're just giving our neighbors a gift. Uh, all right? And we're going to say, we're happy to be your neighbor. Be blessed. You know? <clears throat> and then we're going to do this um, at Vine a little bit differently. Vine is right downtown. We, our average attendance is about 30 people at Vine. So we're going to have 30 bags. And we're going to fill those bags at Vine, and we're going to have everybody uh, on, on a uh, Saturday, they have service on Saturday night, take one of the bags and give it to somebody on that street. And just go to, hey, just blessing you. So it's a little smaller scale there. And then uh, at the Nichols Road, because we do so many other outreaches up there, we're going to give away 50 bags <coughs> uh, to people in need. We're going to do it a little differently. We're going to uh, ask people to prayerfully uh, uh, consider who God wants them to uh, bless uh, uh, with a bag of, of, of goods. And so, uh, and again, each uh, campus will do it a little differently, uh, but this will be a primary outreach where we bless every house in Vandalia. And I'm hoping that this isn't just a one-time thing, but that we can kind of, you know, that's a little mission field right there, right? Uh, and I want everybody in that village, whether or not they ever come to this church, I don't care. You know, I, I want them to go to church. I'd love them to go to church here, but I want them to know that we care and that God cares and that we actually know that they're there. And, uh, <clears throat> and so this is the way we do it. So the bless a nation part of it is a little bigger. We're going to, uh, a big part of the vision uh, for New Day is to train up pastors to plant churches to plant churches, right? And um, so the $30,000 would finish a training center in Kenya and completely build the first phase of a training center in Mexico, all right? And uh, the reason this came up uh, is um, this guy here, Josh Muse is his name, and that's his wife, Olivia, and they're part of our international network. And... Uh, He's a young guy, you can tell that. <laughs> uh, I've known him for uh, about a, a year and a half, maybe two years. Uh, but I really got to know him earlier this year. And um, I asked him in May, I said, because uh, I'd already been talking about doing this type of fundraiser uh, as a project. I, I think about things for a long time, actually working with a consultant. And so this is kind of the presentation of something I've been working on for a long time. So. I went up to Josh and I said, uh, Josh, if I gave you $30,000, what would you do with it? I said, I'm just, 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 hypothetically, I don't have that money, but we're thinking about doing a combined fundraiser to build unity amongst our congregations. And God had kind of put, so this guy, uh, every, he, he worked with Rollin and Heidi Baker in Iris Ministries and, and transformational uh, mission work throughout Africa, one of the leading missions. And everybody in our network, like John Arnott and Dan Slade and all the other people that know this guy, were like, this guy, this guy could be the next baker, you know. Like, he's just, there's, some, there's an anointing on him that changed nations, right? Uh, <clears throat> and uh, I like him, <laughs> which is one of the things you do to test someone, you know. 
and his the way he answered really convinced me because he didn't hesitate, didn't skip a beat. So I know exactly what I do with that. I said, we just signed papers on, uh, I forget how many acres, 40 acres, 60 acres, uh, in central uh, Mexico. He says, well, we'd build a training center for pastors because we want to we wanna plant churches that plant churches. I was like, Josh, that's what I say. <laughs> Seriously, I'm like, what? <laughs> so that really confirmed this whole idea. Uh, so, and, uh, but he also does uh, work in Africa, they were missionaries to Africa, and God switched it. Kind of, uh, he came back to the states and did some work down in Mexico, and just got a passion for it. And so they, they continue work in Africa, but they're they're really committed to uh, 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 getting a revival going, full on revival for the whole nation of Mexico and then the surrounding nations. All right, I got to um, uh, continue on with this. Uh, and in fact, Mark and I and a few other pastors are going to be going there the first week of March to teach a leader school. And so this is, this is why we have the deadline of the eight, by the end of February. I want to go down there, and I want to present the money to them the first week of March, and I want, I want it to come from you. All right, so let me just play this short little video clip of Josh so you can hear his passion. Uh, I told him to send a short video, so he's talking really fast. <laughs> and there's a longer video. Where... My name is Joshua Mews. My wife's name is Olivia. We're the founders and directors of Kaleo International. We have works in Kenya and also here in Mexico. In Mexico, we're building a Bible school to be able to train and raise up leaders. We've been planting Bible schools all over the country, extensions of Bible school. But our vision, our plan is to have one that's in a centralized location, we can bring our leaders in from all over the country to be trained and equipped and, and filled up with the power of the Holy Spirit and launched out. Uh, we need about $25,000 for this next phase of building and to be able to have the facility large enough to be able to bring all of our leaders together. Uh, the other project I want to talk to you about, about is in Kenya, in East Africa. In Kenya, we have about 70 churches. And we have churches also in Uganda and in Congo and in London, different places. We're launching new works in other areas. And we started a Bible school there, but we outgrew the facility. So this year, earlier this year, we bought land. And on that land, we want to build a Bible school to be able to train leaders from all over East Africa to be able to, to launch out. We already have about 70 students in our Bible school. They outgrew one facility, and now they're currently meeting in a large tent under a tree. So we want to actually begin to build our Bible school there. We need about $5,000 to be able to build a facility large enough for a church plant and a Bible school. If that's something, either of these projects is something that God has put as a burden on your heart to sow into revival in Africa or to sow into revival in Mexico, uh, we just thank you for that in advance. We bless you in the name of Jesus. Thank you. Amen. <laughs> All right. Um, there we go. And then there we go. And then. Uh, yeah. That's it. So he sent me that on Friday. <laughs> Um, <clears throat> yeah, so that's the vision of, uh, uh, you know, they're already doing uh, great work. So there'll be a longer video, a four-minute video, where he talks about they're seeing incredible healing. In fact, they had their first person in Mexico raised from the dead. Um, yeah, they've seen eye, uh, blind people healed. Just, so they really operate in the, in the supernatural because they get that from Rollin and Heidi. And so another part of this is uh, you know we do missions in Thailand and China and Japan 
and all over the world, but Mexico is kind of close, you know. I'm like, I've never had a connection with someone close, and so I'm hoping that this turns into a long-term connection with a mission in not, you know, the whole of Mexico. You got he's got the whole nation in his in his eyesight, uh, so uh, we can participate in that, and so that would mean uh, trips that we can take teams down. Uh, and you know, I told him, I said, you know, thirty thousand dollars, you know, you could build a maybe a, a nice shed. <laughs> up here I'm like really he says oh no he said uh, in Mexico no we, we'd have a nice building uh, uh, for $25,000 and then $5,000 finishes what they've already begun in Kenya last verse going to close with this uh, so I thought I should send this is Paul writing to the church in Corinth um, <clears throat> uh, and get this I, should, I thought I should send these brothers ahead of me to make sure the gift you promised is ready. You know, Paul wasn't ashamed to talk about money. Jesus wasn't, God's not ashamed to talk about money. In fact, he sent a team of people ahead of him to make sure the offering was, was big. <laughs> you know, that kind of messes with your mind, but they weren't just, let's not be shy about money. It's an important thing. Um, <clears throat> I want it to be a willing gift not one given grudgingly. And that's what we, that's what all of these offer. This is a willing gifts, nothing out of manipulation. If you, TV preachers use manipulation uh, uh, to get money out of people and just, just don't watch those folks. Uh, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. So decide in your heart. And so in this area of this, this free will offering to bless a neighbor and bless a nation, prayerfully decide. Some of you can drop $1,000 or $5,000, you know. But some people, $5 is going to be sacrificial. And so, but when we work together, we'll meet the need, all right. And this is a very doable goal, all right. $36,000 for us three churches. I, I don't have any doubt in my mind that we're going we're gonna to meet and possibly exceed, and I can't wait to, to have built to have built a training center that's going to be launching churches throughout Mexico, you know, which it, it could be done a year from now, probably. They could probably get it done <clears throat> if we give them the money in February uh, or in March. <clears throat> For God loves a person who gives cheerfully, and God will generously provide all you need. Trust God. You will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. He says that concerning giving money. God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide an increase uh, provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Let's just close in prayer.